guys, it's Matt. Before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that the audio might be a little choppier than you're used to from the Backyard Banter podcast. I recorded this episode in the La Quinta Hotel in in Louisiana where I am staying tonight, so uh, the Wi-Fi might not be as good. Uh, La Quinta, coincidentally, does not sponsor the podcast, but hey, maybe uh, if you guys are listening, feel free uh, to do so. But anyways... Some of the sound quality might be a little bit shakier, but just bear with me. I think you will still be able to get the gist of everything, no problem. Also, as I'll mention in the show, next week we will not be having any episodes of the podcast. I will be uh, traveling through Arizona, several other states, and uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, I will actually be traveling to Austin to spend a little time this weekend with uh, Sigmund Bloom and the one and only Uncle Chaps. So please pray for me, and if I do happen to survive this weekend then not next week but the following week we'll come back with episode 29 and 30 as promised and as scheduled so enjoy this episode Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 28th episode of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. I am coming from you uh, in from this great state of Louisiana. I'm podcasting on the road right now, uh, which is very exciting, and uh, but even more exciting. I'm joined by a friend, a colleague, a true t- a titan of the TV industry, TV's <laughs> Marcus Grant. Marcus, how the hell are you doing, man? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm wow! I'm I'm honored to be here after that introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that, but it's I'm 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 happy to be here. It's nice that you finally called me to get me on your podcast. I'm excited. Well, listen, you know, it you are completing the the stronghold circle here. Um, unfortunately, I've been on every episode. That's the that's the downside <laughs> of this podcast. But yeah, you you are completing the circle here of of, our, of the four of us in the fantasy stronghold. And you know, I couldn't have you guys like all like episode one, two, three. Well, let me just get all my pals on here. You know, I could I couldn't have it go down that way. But uh, no, th- th- of course, it, thank you so much for 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 joining me. And I was definitely you know you were always in the plans, man. You know, you were always in the plans. I know. I, I just but it's it's fun to give you a hard time about it. People do seem to to like doing that. Um, but anyways, Marcus, before before we get to you, I do want to just throw out a little um. A little little business note here about the podcast to the listeners. Uh, um, I will not be doing any shows next week because uh, I am traveling. I'm going to go pretty much completely off the grid next week. Um, I will be back in LA later in the week, but we're not going to do any shows next week. So we'll have episode 28, and then I'll come. We'll take a week off, and then we'll come back next week. I hope you all don't uh, aren't too disappointed in that. I know that you you'll probably live without this show, but I figured I'd let you know anyways. But uh, Marcus. We'll, we'll start with you now. Of course, I always start the podcast asking every guest, uh, how did you come to kind of fall in love with football? Or unlike me, I know you're a man of multiple sports. So what, what's your sports background, my friend? Uh, I mean, I've been watching sports as long as I can remember. I mean, I think some of my earliest memories as a kid, uh, I remember watching the Dodgers uh, right about the time Fernando Mania was big in the early 80s. I remember that. I remember, I remember watching... Marcus Allen um, as a kid back I think I remember watching him in his USC days because I thought at the time uh, even as a kid as like you know four years old thinking how cool USC's fight song was and how other traditions were awesome but I remember watching Marcus Allen there I remember loving him with the Raiders you know during his pro career um, yeah and you know even if I go back with the Warriors I mean I'm all excited game one of the finals is, uh, is Thursday night so I'm fired up about that but I remember going I go back with the Warriors to the days of like Sleepy Floyd and Larry Smith when like the most we could hope for was just to make the playoffs. I, I mean, I've, I have been, thanks to my dad, around sports in some form or fashion pretty much my entire life. Yeah, if you're watching the, uh, if you're one of the five people that watch the YouTube broadcasts of this show, you'll, you'll see that Marcus is, is sporting his, his Golden State Warriors shirt. Um, also, unfortunately, you're, you'll notice that I am fu- in full-on wilderness mode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, the, my, my cross country trip is coming to a close here, but, but the, the effects have, have definitely worn on me that that's for sure. But, uh, no, yeah, Marcus, and, and I know that you, like you said, you've been following, uh, the, the sports for your entire life, but your football team is the 49ers. And I know this because you hate Tory Smith and, and it's, um, 
it, it's something that we're we're clearly on two polar opposite sides of the spectrum this year. But so when did you kind of become a 49ers fan and hate um, Torrey Smith? You know, I I vaguely remember the first Super Bowl championship when they beat the Bengals. I mean, I have a vague memory of that. I mean, but it was definitely my whole life. I mean, the Raiders left Oakland. I was an infant. You know, I might have been three years old when the Raiders left Oakland the first time around. So the Niners were really the only thing that was there football-wise. And it certainly helped that as I was growing up, the Niners were really good. I mean, I grew up with Joe Montana and went over to Steve Young. And, and so, like, success with the 49ers was kind of all I knew. And so, I mean, pretty much from an early age, I, you know, my friends and I would be in the street playing football and we'd argue over who got to be Jerry Rice or whatever on a particular day. I mean, that's just – uh, it, it's just, it's always been that way. Cause I, I, I was fortunate to grow up in a period where the Niners were really, really successful. Well, that is nice. A little bit different nowadays, of course, but, yeah. um, so here's, here's the, of course, the next kind of part of the story is what, what made you, uh, get the itch to like, want to cover the sport or decide did, when did you decide or, or did you even decide that this was going to be your life, that this was going to be your career? Um, you know, I think I decided that in college, you know, I knew I, I always wanted to pursue something in a writing capacity. I mean, I thought I wanted to be a writer, um, you know, and then I, I always joke that I heard that writers died painless and insane. So I figured I'd become a journalist because at least they had their sanity. Um, so, but I, I thought when I was in high school, I really thought I was going to angle toward like network, like serious news. I mean, I... Mm thought in high school maybe I would take over you know for Tom Brokaw or something like that and be a national news anchor it was when I got to USC I got to college and I remember that first weekend on campus finding out there was a, uh, a student radio station meeting with the sports director who told us yeah you know come on over we'll put you on air we'll get you a beat and then I realized that wait a minute I, I sit around I talk about sports with my friends and my family all day anyway like, I never really thought, I finally put two and two together that I could make a career out of it. So, I mean, it was, I think from my freshman year of college on, I think I decided, well, sports is more of my passion, is more of what I'd like to do. And I decided I'd figure out some way to, to earn a paycheck out of it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I think I can remember a few, a few months back, like you telling me at, at one of our, uh, one of our team building happy hours uh, that you were like, yeah, you know, I originally wanted to go into like serious news or something. I was like, you know, and don't take this. I know you're not going to take this the wrong way, but like, I can't imagine you doing serious news because you're, you know, you're a very like fun guy. You're, you're, I would say of the four of us, your biggest strength is you're like actually a humorous writer. Whereas I don't find my, I don't find any ability to be able to communicate humor in writing. So it is kind of funny that originally that's what you thought was going to be your path. Yeah, I, it's, well, you know, I, I feel like what I do now has allowed me to kind of uh, incorporate all the things I want to do. Like, as a kid, I never wanted to do the whole, you know, policeman, fireman, doctor, lawyer thing. Like, I think my, my career choices as a kid ranged from uh, I wanted to be a magician. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Um, I thought I was going to be maybe the first black president, but somebody beat me to that one. Um, and Jerk. I know, right? Uh, I mean, those were kind of what I wanted to do. So now I feel like I get the chance to kind of, you know, incorporate all that. You know, I, I, I get to be humorous, which I, I'm thankful for in my job. Um, I have to try to predict the future, which is sort of like magic. And um, kind of like the president, I get to wear nice suits on television every so often. Yeah, but not with ties. No, not with ties. No, no. <laughs> Untrustworthy, That's those tie-wearing guys. No, that is that's a little uh, that's a little office in, inside joke that the the audience definitely won't get, which is always good if you have a chance on podcasts. I definitely make sure to drop. Always it. do that. Definitely always make, make it, yeah. Jokes. Yeah, make inside jokes that your audience can't relate to. That's perfect. That's good podcasting. <laughs> Check one. Uh, no, but you're right. You do get to. That is a very astute observation. You do get to kind of especially do all that stuff and and the 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 telling the future thing. Yeah. That's a little bit of a, that's kind of the more complicated part of our job. So did you, did you actually go to school then for broadcast media or anything like that? Yeah, I was a broadcast journalism major. Um, and it's weird. I went, like I said, I went from wanting to do hard news to doing sports at the same time. I think in college I decided that, you know, I liked radio more than television. I mean, I, I, we had TV and we had TV, you know, based classes or whatever, um, but I liked 
I like doing radio. It was a lot more free form. I thought it was a lot more open. And so I think, you know, somewhere midway through my college career, I think I just shifted my focus to, you know, hey, maybe I'll try a, a, a career in radio. And that's kind of where it, it led me for a while. Yeah, that that's that's pretty interesting. So uh, we we've asked a few people on the on the show that have done kind of the the the, the journalism, you know, broadcast media schooling background like Patrick Claybon who you know obviously we both know uh talked about this on his episode Rotopat talked about it on his and so I kind of asked both of them you know did you do you find that that was like worth it that's always the big question like people say oh you don't need to go to journalism school or or oh, you do need to go to journalism school where do you stand on that issue um I do think there's a place for it uh you know I think there is there's still something to learning how to communicate, um, you know, and I think, you know, I, I think especially now because there are so many more avenues for, uh, you know, so many different platforms, whether it's, you know, blogging or podcasting or, or doing web shows or anything like that, um, you know, I think there's there's something to be said for just going out and doing it. And I think the, the internet has made it a lot more democratic in that respect. But I do think there's something to learning kind of the structure of it and the structure of how to tell a story, I think more, you can learn grammar, you can learn punctuation, all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, whether it's you know, whether it's just a movie or it's a TV show or anything you're doing uh, or a news story, I think the ability to structure a story and tell it properly is essential to what we consider to be good journalism or good content. And I think that is where journalism schools still have their place. Yeah, I mean, I did not go to journalism school, but I can definitely relate to your perspective there, or at least I would say that I agree with it in, in a lot of ways. Like I can remember, um, you know, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but I can remember like, uh, I've said this to Alex though, I can remember listening to the Fantasy Live podcast after I got hired um, with NFL, like before I moved out there. And like, I could remember hearing you specifically, like the way you just would be able to communicate ideas. I'd be like, oh my God, I can't talk like that. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to present a story that way or, or even just in a humorous way with the same like inflection. Cause there's, there's just a way to talking about it that I, I still don't feel like I have a great grasp on or anything, but it, it definitely comes from, from having that probably in your background. Cause you can be as smart as you want about football or fantasy football and, and be like the smartest guy in the room. But if you don't know how to communicate you're, you know, up, up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah, basically. And I think, I think you started to see it, especially, you know, with a lot of the former athletes who are now going into broadcasting. I mean, you know this, that they have that broadcast boot camp for guys playing in the NFL who decide that that's what they want to do after their career. And I think we've seen it. We've seen plenty of guys who were great on the field, who obviously know the game of football, but because they weren't able to get their thoughts out in a coherent manner, they didn't necessarily last long on television. Yeah, for sure. And I know that they have, uh, we have a coach go around in the office like sometimes and, and he'll like tell people how to talk and which seems, which seems so funny or, you know, to say it like that, oh, well, you got to learn how to talk or, or anything, but there's definitely a way to do that. Like I can remember the first time doing podcasts. I was, I don't hell, I might still be bad at it, but I certainly was worse when I started, <laughs> you know, it just, there's a, there's a way to communicate things. It's, it's different from talking with your friends in, in real life. I, I would say. Um, but Mark is kind of getting back to you a little bit here. So you graduated from USC broadcast journalism, yada, yada, yada. How did, so what's your first, and you, I know you said that you kind of found your lane in radio. What was your first gig out of school? My first gig out of school actually was not a radio gig at all. I was working for a website uh, called Digital City. They were like they were like the subsidiary of AOL, right about the middle of the tech boom in the late '90s. Uh, and my job was just to kind of sit and you know kind of be a you know a, kind of a sports writer, so to speak. I mean, we covered local you know news and entertainment and that sort of thing. And so I would just kind of sit and write you know LA-based sports columns um, for a while. Eventually, that turned into a bigger gig where we we started covering more cities than we were just basically were doing reviews which sort of got boring to me <laughs> um you know, that's not what i it's not that had not been what i signed up for so at that point i said well let me go and actually try radio and just actually had a contact from college uh, somebody who had been staff uh she had taken a job at the local or at the at the public radio station kcrw in santa monica i reached out to her just telling her hey you know i you know 
just a year out of school, want to do radio. Is there anybody I can talk to? And uh, they got me in there as like a late night, midday board op, making like, you know, a handful of dollars an hour. And it was my first ever paid gig in radio. I think I got to read announcements. I would read the, uh, the, the legal idea at the top of the hour. And I would tell you, you know, National Public Radio is brought to you by blah, blah, blah. You know, that was, uh, that was it. Oh, man. So you worked for N- like N- NPR, like the actual entity? Uh, it wasn't the national one. It was a local affiliate. But, uh, I mean, KCRW has, what I learned while I was there, certainly has a lot of uh, clout when it comes to NPR stations across the country. So it was, it was an interesting place to kind of get my first radio experience. Oh, I'm so I'm so jealous. I've listened obviously listened to like three thousand NPR podcasts on my on my cross country <laughs> trip. I love I love that. That's all. That's real cool. Um, so how did you event? Did you eventually climb the ladder into more than just reading the announcements? Um, you know what? I never did because so while I was working there, um, I what I really wanted to do right out of school was get a radio play by play job, like preferably doing minor league baseball. So while I was working at KCRW. I um, was still kind of applying to, to baseball teams across the country. I went to a big job fair in Dallas and got hired to be the voice of a minor league team in the middle of California. And so I, I was only at KCRW for maybe nine months or so. I was working two jobs and trying to get a baseball gig. I never really advanced beyond reading announcements, but I, it's still one of the jobs I think I cherish the most. It was just such a great experience. So you were actually like a the, like a play by play, whatever the hell the baseball equivalent is, uh, is uh, for uh, for a minor league baseball team. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was a play by play announcer for two seasons. Uh, one in the great city of Visalia, which is uh, just about forty forty five minutes south of Fresno, and uh, one year in Stockton. Uh, that was uh, yeah, two years, two years in the California League. It was uh, pretty pretty amazing. What is that like? What kind of skill? What kind of? I don't. I don't want to say like what kind of skills go into that, but just just describe that job experience because that's something I don't think that we've had anybody on the show that's done something like that. You know, it's it's a lot of fun, and and you know, I love baseball. Um, and it was it was why. interesting. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing. Sport. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you on board. We're gonna teach you who Mike Trout is. You're gonna love it. Um, but I. I remember um, it's just an interesting experience. I mean, you, you travel on buses up and down the state of California. You spend a lot of time kind of by yourself, uh, especially because I did broadcasts alone. So it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of talking because um, you're, you're trying to fill basically three hours of airtime, especially when you're, you're on your own. So it taught me a lot about pacing a lot about how to speak it taught me a lot about research because you had to have stories just in case the game was a blowout or if it was just slow or what have you so it it really i think prepared me for what the future and it was you know it's another thing that i'll, I'll never forget because it just uh two years with you know traveling the byways of minor league baseball it's kind of it sounds kind of romantic and at times it is but uh, it, it was it was definitely a memorable experience that it sounds that way for sure so i'm gonna kind of just skip ahead a little bit or i don't even really know because this is all this is all, i'm learning so much about you right now marcus <laughs> um so how the hell do you, does all of this end up getting you to nfl.com uh well and feel I free to, f- to fill any blanks in there that i'm clearly leaving out no that's fine like I kind of ended up at the NFL by accident. I mean, after after minor league ball, I landed in Fresno and did radio there for five years. Um, from there, I moved back to Los Angeles. I was with Sporting News Radio's national network, kind of as an update guy and, uh, you know, fill in late night host if necessary. But when the company, the Sporting News Radio was sold to uh, a guy in Houston and they pretty much took our jobs away. They offered me a spot in Houston. Uh, I decided that I would rather stay and live in Los Angeles than move to Houston. And so looking for a job, I was doing freelance writing, whatever I could find. Got word to apply for jobs at the NFL. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with the National Football League. I just knew I kind of needed a job. The NFL seemed fun. It wasn't, uh, it was a short walk from my apartment. So I, I think I applied for four or five jobs 
with the NFL. Completely had forgotten about it. I mean, like, I think four or five months went by. Keep in mind, this was also during the NFL lockout. So I, wow. uh, I you know, forgot about it. And then one day after a few months, Michael Fabiano calls me, asks uh, if I wanted to interview to be a fantasy football writer. And I said, does it, you know, does it pay? I said, sure, I'll show up there. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. That's that's interesting. I feel like we all have the same franchise kind of said the same thing, too. And I, I think it was my experience, you know, you like get the call and then or you, you before you get the call, you apply and then like months or like a long time goes by before you actually know whether you're going to actually interview for the job or not. That seems kind of indicative of the way things go sometimes uh, at, at NFL. Yeah, well, I guess I feel better. I guess I feel better that it wasn't just my experience alone. Then. No, yeah, I think I, I feel like that was the way it was for all of us. I mean, I remember applying during the like during the draft, and I interviewed with you and Alex, and then you guys were like, "All right, well, the draft is uh is coming up, so we'll probably talk to you in like a month." And I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta sit around and like wring my hands <laughs> about this for a month." <laughs> But uh, I'm sure nobody at home is feeling sorry for for either of us about that. But probably not. Yeah, for sure. Like back in 2011, well, certainly the NFL fantasy team is not as big as it is now. Uh, no, it was it was Michael Fabiano. It was me. Uh, Adam Rank, you know, would jump in every now and then and, and write stuff. But that was it. I mean, the the fantasy live show had I think it had been on the air maybe two years at that point when I started. Uh, certainly not long. So they were still kind of shuffling through what they wanted their lineup to be. But uh, no, the the fantasy department was and you know because we had such limited manpower at the time. I was just a seven month employee. Um, you know, fantasy was really big for us from you know August through. Uh, you know, basically January. And then from January till about June or July, we went dark. So it, it's, a, it's a far cry from now where we really helped create this. I mean, and, uh, you know, a lot of it goes to Alex Gelhar, uh, him just being really persistent about it. But we've kind of made it now that NFL fantasy is a year round entity that we still, you know, we still have content in February and March and April. Uh, you know, that, that I think speaks a lot to how much it's grown in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, even just being a fan of, of that, like that was back, I guess, you know, 2011, 2012 was like my junior year in college. And like, it's definitely just, well, of course, now knowing it from the inside out, it's definitely changed a lot. That's for sure. And so speaking to kind of your personal change of that, I think the question on everybody's mind, mostly me, but uh, everybody probably, uh, how do you get from go from being, uh, you know, just a writer to then like getting your spot on, on TV? Cause you're like on NFL fantasy live. Now you're, you're, you know, like I said, you're a celebrity. Basically we were walking down the, we were, this is a true story. We were walking down the street in the Valley and somebody was, or was me, you and Alex and somebody recognized you. Somebody's like, Hey, there's that fantasy live guy. So how do you, you're literally, you know, literally a celebrity. So how do you go, how do you become just go from that transition from a writer to like a TV personality? Um, you know, I, I kind of got lucky there. I mean, I think I had mentioned offhandedly to a couple of the producers, whether it was, you know, Haitham Kapalani or Alex Wood. I think actually, actually at the time it might've been like a Dylan Milner, who I think was still, you know, one of the, the regular producers. Yeah, offhandedly mentioned once or twice, like, hey, if you ever need somebody to fill in on the show, I'd totally do it. And, um, you know, I mean, God bless Dylan, and uh, I know Matt Lathrop, I think, was involved, maybe Jeff Talley. Uh, at one point late in the year, season, um, they asked me, they're like, hey, you know, do, do you want, would you like to be on? Just come do a cameo for, uh, you know, such and such segment. And, uh, you know, I know they had the battle, so I'm I'm grateful to those guys. I think they really had the fight to get me on there. So, you know, it was just one of those things where you realize you get, you have a shot now, and you don't know if it's going to come this way again. So you do what you can just to be prepared for it. And and I'm fortunate that they like me. You know, that they they still think I'm worthy of uh, putting on television a few days a week. So it's it's been a fun ride, but just kind of me jokingly bugging the producers if uh you know if they let me somehow be on the show yeah there does seem to just be kind of like a i'm here i'm ready but you mentioned like always being prepared because you never know when that opportunity goes around or is going to come back around again what 
what do you think goes into that, like into being prepared to, to be ca- kind of called up to the next level in that sense? What, like, what is it that you have to kind of mentally ch- be churning around or is it anything at all? And it's just kind of something that comes natural to you. Well, I, I won't say it comes natural, but I do think for me it helped. Uh, I think it goes back to doing the play-by-play and, and to being on radio. Um, it's just knowing, being in a situation where you can think off script and you can speak off script, but as long as you know your facts, I mean, and I think, you know, I think that's the one thing that, you know, when we, when we get the stronghold together, we do a podcast, um, you know, I think what's fun is that we all know what we're talking about. Like we all have, you know, maybe we're on a laptop and we're looking up numbers, but the fact is you understand the subject matter. That is a big part of it. I mean, once you know the subject matter, that gives you a level of confidence to begin with. You know, then the rest of it is just kind of being able to form those thoughts. And I go back again, like I said, to, to doing radio and being in spaces where I had to fill time and I had to figure out what to say. And so I think that kind of gave me the confidence to know that, you know, hey, look, I, I know I can sit here and talk to you for a minute or so. I, you shouldn't draft, you know, a wide receiver in the first round or what have you. I mean, just I think all that practice kind of came into play when I finally got my opportunity. It's being, it's practicing, it's being prepared for, for one doing it, but also like having the research done and, you know, cause there are some people that can definitely get by on just their personality and like, you know, bullshitting their way through things, but it, it does certainly helps to know football and, and what's going on. That's for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, especially when it comes to football, fantasy football, I think sports of any kind, really like sports fans have their own language and you know they there are certain things they will say or certain ways they will say things and and you can tell pretty quickly talking to somebody whether they're actually a fan of that sport and so i think you know being able to speak that language way toward giving you some sort of credibility yeah and, and correct me if i'm wrong on this i feel like because fans are so well informed now, you know, because there's so many, there are so many sites churning out content, you know, you can be on Twitter and literally talk to, you know, any of us or any other analyst out there and get information that way, or just learn from following along with people because there's just so much good information out there. Fans are smarter now. So I feel like if you don't know, if you don't know your shit or if you are an outsider to kind of trying to play the part, I feel like it's harder now than ever to get away with that. Oh, it absolutely is. No, it absolutely is. I mean, because, like, like you said, because of the internet especially, fans have a voice. And, and you're right, they can talk to each other. And, you know, I, it, I think, I think it's, it's been good because, I think, like I said, it's given everybody a voice. Um, I think at some point it, it's also kind of broken down the people who get to create content versus the people who consume it. Because now I think everybody gets to play both sides and I think it's made for a more interesting conversation. Yeah. When you say interesting, do you mean in a positive or a negative way? Both. I mean, I do think it's both. I think, I think, I think it's helped obviously educate a lot of people. I think it's forced us to talk about issues both in sport and I think culturally and socially. And I think a lot of that's all intertwined. Um, you know, I think it's forced us to have those kind of conversations, which sometimes are productive, sometimes aren't. I mean, and then as with anything, you have your you know, your asshole quotient just going to go out there and they're going to be trolls. And they're going to be destructive. But I think I think when it's all come down to it, I think there are more positives than negatives. Yeah, I, I would I would certainly uh, agree with that. Um, Marcus, uh, more about about you i guess and because i think this is something i've been thinking about because we do you know because we work together we're on the same team and you know a lot of our our destinies in are inherently intertwined that way but i guess we've kind of talked about your past but there's one thing i've been asking the guests recently like what do you see as like your future what's your end game in this industry and you know maybe as our team's end game at large or whatever but what what do you what is that for you um, I just want to do fun things. And I know that sounds generic and I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I think one of the things that I've really loved about where we work is that there really is an opportunity for us to be creative and to do things we enjoy. Uh, I mean, just beyond even the fantasy football space, because, you know, I, that's what got me there and, and fantasy pays my bills and it's been an amazing ride. I never certainly would have expected this. 
But I, I, I think at some point I would like to branch out from just beyond that. I, you know, I have a, I would love to write a TV show. You know, I would love to write the next Breaking Bad or something like that. Um, I, I think in the shorter term, I just want us to be more creative. I mean, I want us to figure out ways to get our information out there, but to do it in a way that we all think is fun. Like I would love for us to somehow do maybe not even a podcast, but maybe like a, a YouTube series or something like that, where it's just us sitting in the stronghold like we would on a Tuesday and, and just talking about whatever we talk about. I mean, I think, I think there are ways to do what we do even better. And I, I think that we're in a spot right now uh, where they're allowing us a little more freedom to do that. And I would certainly love to, to take advantage of it, especially working with people that I enjoy working with. Yeah, I think that that's the coolest thing that I've discovered about working there and comparing it to just what I hear from other people about different places. And I was actually, it was just at Matt, I stayed at Matt Walbin's last night on my cross country journey. And I was telling him this, that like my favorite part about working at NFL media and especially with NFL fantasy, like I feel like for the most part, none of us really take ourselves that seriously. And I think that's kind of uh, displayed in our work. And I think that's a good thing. Well, I think it's a great thing. No, I think it's absolutely a great thing. And I think, you know, I think part of it comes with having to, to deal with the public in the sense that, look, I, we all want to win. We all want to be successful. We all want to be right when we're making our prediction. But I think seeing how difficult that is, I mean, we'll sit and we'll study everything and then we'll still go out and whiff on a couple of picks on Sunday. I think that's allowed us to realize that this isn't serious. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be a game. It's supposed to be fun. And I think, you know, I also think it makes it a lot easier to go out and, and make some bold predictions when you realize that most of what you say is probably, you know, not going to be a hundred percent accurate anyway. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. We all, we all have our, I mean, if you even look at uh, like the fantasy pros rankings or whatever, like the most accurate than anybody is, is like, you know, 60% or something like 70% is like outrageously accurate. So that's still like 30 to 40% of information that you're getting wrong. Even, even if you're, right. one of the, even if you're one of the best. So it is, it is a hard, I think we've said that a lot on this podcast that it's a very hard industry to take yourself um, too seriously. But one other thing I thought that was interesting that you mentioned there, and I know that like you're, you and Alex especially are, are, you're interested in a lot of other things outside of, of, of just football. And so am I, but like you guys are much more like pop culture fiends. And I know James talks about that all the time on the, on the podcast. <laughs> so if you could be doing something, and this is something I really wish I had asked the guests on like every podcast, but if there was one other thing that you could be doing for a career other than fantasy football, like if tomorrow fantasy football ended or, or the NFL went under, uh, because we know they're short on money, you know, or at least our parking <laughs> lot looks that way. Uh, <laughs> but if, if for some reason the NFL went under tomorrow, what what would you be your like other dream job? I guess. Okay, dream job. Yeah, that's something. That, because otherwise, I'd probably go back to cutting fish like I did in college, working at a seafood counter. Um, oh, I don't even want to get. We don't need to get onto like that dangerous road of like what disastrous job would we have to take? <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly, I would love. I. I I still always wanted to be a writer. I mean, and I always thought, you know, either I'd write a novel or my best friend and I thought, you know, at 11 years old, we were going to write an Oscar winning film. Um, I think we wrote about 40 pages and uh, who knows where they are, but I still want to write. I still want to do something creative. I mean, I would love to be a showrunner. You know, I guess that's the, the popular Hollywood term for them now, but you know, I, I, I sit and I live in Los Angeles where every third person either wants to act, write, or direct. I want to write. So, I mean, that's, that's what I do. I spend my, you know, one of my hobbies is just screenwriting and just, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe one day I'm lucky enough to, you know, stand on stage and, and, uh, you know, have something be successful, but that would be the dream job. If the NFL didn't happen, I think I'd just, you know, I'd be a waiter out pitching scripts to every Hollywood so-and-so that came by. And I I could see you uh I could see you doing that I certainly could not see myself doing that but that's a, you know, that's a whole other topic for for another day but now that that that's that's pretty cool so Marcus I mentioned like a little while back I mean just you know, we'll just have a few more questions here so you can go watch the Warriors um, <laughs> apparently I was listening to the, start it's all good 
Yeah, I was listening to the uh, I was listening to the podcast, uh, our our fancy live podcast, when you guys had Liz Lowe's on. Super jealous, by the way, that I wasn't there for that and the room story. Which, <laughs> holy shit! If you haven't listened to the to that episode of the Fantasy Live podcast, pause this podcast. Please come back, but pause this podcast and right. go listen to that because it is outrageous. It's but phenomenal. I, oh my god, I I couldn't believe it. That was insane. But. I think it was, uh, you know, James was saying that it's like a guarantee, basically, that the Warriors are going to win or whatever. So maybe I don't have you, you know, since you already know you're going to win, maybe you can just stay here another <laughs> two hours. Uh, <laughs> but no, but seriously, just there's a few more questions here. But I mentioned like, um, you know, that we all have you, me, franchise, Alex, we all have different strengths, in my opinion. And I think I know I could I could take a guess at what everybody's is. But what would you say that yours is that that kind of sets you apart from us and then from the industry at large like what makes tv's marcus marcus grant wow well that's a deep question it's a big question um it is a big question i, I mean i i do like to think you know I, i'd like to think that humor has something to do with it um you know i but i i i, I tend to i guess make myself sort of a, a jack of all trades i mean i think it, it, I've always tried to be as well-rounded as possible. So, you know, I know, I know that I'm not the strongest when it comes to analytics, but I do want to know that. I, I feel like that's important. I don't think I'm the funniest. I mean, I think Adam Rank does a, a phenomenal job. Obviously, he's a stand-up comedian on the side. Um, I think he's very funny. I think, you know, I think Franchise and Gelhar both have an incredible focus, uh, you know, with their writing. I think, you know, you're you're the you're the wide receiver whisperer. So. I've always tried to crib a little bit from everybody that I think is successful. I try to see what people are good at and at least try to take a part of it. So even if I'm not great at uh, any one thing, I try to be really good at everything. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that's part of it. Um, I think, and this is, you know, I don't know, this might not be the most popular thing ever, but I think really means kind of something to me to be uh to be black but not an athlete and to be doing this on a professional level because i think you know most times you don't see a lot of black guys doing this and when they are they generally are athletes and so i don't know that that i feel like that that's a little bit of something different i start i'm starting to see there, there are more folks out there more guys out there like we're doing this and i'm really excited about that um, but yeah, that part actually, you know, that's something I, I do take a little bit of pride in. No, that's really cool. And I would, I would love for you to expand more on that point. Cause I was actually sitting here in my car today as I was driving, like thinking about like, and I've mentioned that I'm going to do a second season of this podcast. I was thinking about doing like round table type of things. And I was, I was actually thinking about like, you know, you like race in the, in the industry or whatever. So what do you like? I guess I kind of just want you to expand a little bit on that. Like what, what does that mean to you? What, what do you think like that gives you that sets you apart or how is it maybe a disadvantage sometime this, that, or the other? Yeah, I don't, um, I think it's, it's different. I mean, it, and I think it's, it's something that it's certainly changing, which is good. And I, and I not just in fantasy, but I'm just thinking across even like the broadcast industry is that generally, you know, most of the, the, the black folks you see on TV, I mean, at least the men, even in the women too, are former athletes. And so um, there are a handful of guys who came up, you know, kind of through journalism schools. I mean, I can think of uh, Dave Sims, who was the radio voice of the Mariners for a long time. You know, Gus Johnson uh, certainly didn't play professionally or anything. You know, um, Brown, who was on CBS for, and Fox for a long time. I mean, he was, he was a college basketball player, from what I, if I believe uh, correctly. So, I mean, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've ever had a disadvantage, at least. I don't want to believe that. I think maybe I'm being naive in that respect. Um, I, I think, you know, because uh, I've been able to – I feel like I've done pretty well, all things considered. Um, and so I, I'd like to believe that I've been hopefully judged mostly on the merit of my work. But, you know, I guess I'd be naive to think that, that somewhere along the way somebody didn't just say, you know, I wasn't a right fit for them. But um, I, I – I do get excited uh, that there are more opportunities there. I think one of the things I've always said that if I somehow came into a bunch of money, I would like to go back to my hometown, which is you know between black and Filipino and, and Latino is pretty heavy there, and create kind of a media content uh, program 
the high schools to kind of open up those opportunities or at least get people to think that it can be something that they can do. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, guys, from your perspective, did you ever, well, I mean, you kind of answered the question, but like, did you, I guess I, I would imagine that it just does seem like kind of an athlete thing. Cause it's a perspective that I can't, I can't speak to at all because I was actually, again, I was at Matt Wallen's last night. We had a really good discussion on like, um, like race and identity and, you know, being like, you know, being a white man, I guess I never like, I never feel that's, and this is a thing that people don't realize about whiteness. And this is way off track of what I normally talk about this podcast, (laughs) but I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit because it's my podcast. I can say whatever I want. Um, Like as a, as a white person, I think the thing that, that we as white people never realize is that we are white. And because we're never faced with that on like a daily basis, because it just, you know, that because there are no disadvantages or or whatever. And I think that's a really interesting kind of perspective that I think a lot of white people don't consider, and especially in this business. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, I I try not to think about it. I mean, it's hard. If you spent your whole day thinking about it, you wouldn't get anything done. So you don't, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's easy to notice. Like when I would go to, when I went to the minor league baseball job fairs and I'm applying for play by play jobs, I mean, it's easy to notice that I'm the only black guy there and you know, not that anybody was rude to me or I had any problems, but you know, notice stuff, um, you know, but you just kind of learn to deal with it and move on. Uh, you know, I, I'm, like I said, I think because, I think because the industry is so competitive, uh, I think it's, easy to to believe that you didn't get a job because there was just somebody better because you know you send out resumes you send out tapes and they kind of go out in a void and you never hear back so you never really know the reason that you got rejected so i guess that makes it easy to think there are other reasons that that it happened i don't know but um i think i think part of the democratization of the media through the internet has allowed for more voices and, and more things like that i mean i think you know, the joke about black Twitter, I do think it's a voice though. And I think it's something that is starting to get bigger. And I think you're starting to see it in, in all sorts of different demographics, whether it's racial, whether it's, you know, sexual orientation, what have you, I think it's allowed for more people to kind of get their perspective out there where in the past, it just wouldn't have been an opportunity. Yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely think that's fantastic. And um, there's, a, you know, I mentioned NPR politics or NPR podcast, a podcast earlier. There's a great podcast that they just started called Code Switch. And the first episode was actually all about like whiteness and, and identity and stuff like that. And I thought it was a really interesting discussion. It's another thing I'd recommend. If you can't tell, again, I've been listening to a, a lot of podcasts, lately, but, <laughs> you know, but I think that is a really important point and um, that the industry is, is changing, but there's still a lot of, a lot of ways that we have a long ways that we have to go in like the, um, the, the, the minute kind of smaller interactions, even when we don't think of, even when we don't think they're there, just being aware that they might be there is an important thing in my opinion. Like there's no, I don't know. I know you get, we get a lot of this, like on, and we talk about this privately, like, you know, PC bros on Twitter or anything like that. Just being aware of things is never, is never a bad thing. (laughs) I don't know. I just think, you know, respecting people is always a a good thing to do. Right. I know I retweeted something the other day of um, Carl Safchek who works at uh, DL or used to work at DLF and now he hosts a dynasty one podcast. He, he said something about like, can we stop using the, you know, the term trade rape as a thing like that, you know, you know it's like basically saying like that a perceived unfair trade is not the same as like a sexual assault we shouldn't equate it that way and i retweeted it and then of course somebody hopped in my hopped in like at adding both of us like oh so we even we have to be pc among our friends now hashtag white night and i didn't want to respond because i'm on vacation with i was at my dad's my dad's house i mean about i mean about that life right now but i did want (laughs) my, my thought is like Geez, I know. I know it's so hard to be like, you know, sensitive to people and, and like be, yeah, and it's such a burden to just do the right, like seemingly to do the right thing. It's exhausting. I'm sorry. But yeah, anyways, but kind of veering away from that, uh, that whole sadness part of that part of the world, uh, Marcus. <laughs> and actually, it's the Feelings Podcast. We finally got on the Feelings Podcast. Uh, we really did it. I, I, I knew that I knew that we would, we could get on this wave together, Marcus. So I'm very happy you could be here for episode 28, the, uh, the, the, the Jonathan Stewart episode of the podcast. Uh, but, <laughs> but no, seriously, I get kind of a different topic, but still a little bit of a sad one in a way. Um, Marcus, I've been asking a lot of people on the podcast lately, like what's something that you see in the industry that you don't really like, or maybe wish was different. Um, 
I do fear that we are going to stop talking to more of the casual user. Um, I mean, I think, you know, with next-gen stats and analytics, obviously it's, it's giving us a deeper uh, understanding of the game and, and, you know, certainly made the prognosticating, I won't say easier, but kind of, I think, made it more of an educated guess. It was always kind of a guess. Now it's more of an educated guess. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of things going there. But I also think uh, there's a danger in going too far to the point that casual fan, the casual user who, you know, maybe is just playing because it's something social to do in their office or what have you, um, you know, that maybe they aren't necessarily in tune with that. And they just want to know. I mean, they just want it as simple as, Williams or Jonathan Stewart start yes or no and I think you know I, I don't think we've gone that far yet but I do see with such a trend toward that that, I, that you know maybe we start to alienate people who aren't their time looking at this sort of stuff well you're basically subtweeting me right now on my own podcast <laughs> 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 no but I but that's a really good point and it's something an answer that I don't think anybody's even come close to to relating to that to this point in the show but but it's true and I've even as somebody you know I'm I'm being facetious here a little bit but as somebody that does run you know some complicated content the one onus that I find myself especially lately that I've been thinking about like how can I how can I make how can I make my work at NFL more accessible to the casual fan or even reception perception how do I make that more accessible to the casual fan it's it is an important thing because if you want your content to reach them accessible to everybody yeah, um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's one of the challenges I think we really face at the NFL because because we are the NFL, we do get such a wide range of users. I mean, we get the people who are playing fantasy for the first time versus the people who've been playing it for years and want to go really deep in stats. I mean, I think you know there are you know you know this. I mean, there are plenty of people out there doing really really good work, and I think you know some of the smaller uh, you know some of the smaller sites. I think. Are, I think they have the freedom to go and I think be as complex and as in depth as they want, because if you are going to, you know, number fire or football guys or somebody like that, you really are serious about your fantasy football. And so I think you're looking for a deeper level of understanding there. But I think, you know, when you talk about some of the bigger ones, you know, like us and ESPN and Yahoo and stuff, I think, you know, I think it's easy to forget and important to remember that we are talking to a much wider range of user and a fantasy football fan. Yeah, I mean, you're throwing a net out there and you're catching a lot of different fish when like 50,000 people are reading your your article on an, you know, on a on a in season on an average basis. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's tough to know what you're marketing to and I think that there's an art to it and that's something that if like you're an aspiring uh writer or or analyst or radio personality whatever like that's something that you've got to be aware of. So I, I really think that was a very, that's a good point uh, for, for you to bring up for sure. Well, Marcus, I really appreciate uh, the time that you've given me here tonight. And uh, uh, right before the Warriors go on here, me broadcasting from the La Quinta in Louisiana, in uh, Louisiana. <laughs> this is a hell of a show we've cobbled together here, my friend. But uh, I guess one, la- one last thing I always do for everybody on the podcast is I, I give the guests a chance to, to have the floor to say whatever the hell you want uh, before I yank it out from under you. So Marcus, my friend, the floor is yours. Wow. Um, you know, I, I have to say that I am, I feel incredibly blessed. I know that, you know, I think on the day to day, and I think everybody does this, you, you, on the day to day, you see all the things that are kind of bad or the things that frustrate you. And, and sometimes you are staring at the trees and not seeing the whole forest. And I think as I sit here in my apartment, um, you know, talking to you about this and kind of recounting where I've come from and where I am now, um, it just reminds you that like journey, everything can be what you make it. And I, I don't know, I just feel fortunate to be here right now. So, uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you for letting me come on and kind of, you know, talk about myself, which is something I don't do a ton of, but, uh, you know, it's been fun. I've appreciated this. No, man. Well, of, of course. And and I think that it's a really cool experience to get to share with people because, you know, we talk about we talk about so much sometimes, you know, we talk about a thousand different players, you know, and especially if you do the NFL draft work, you know, 90 percent of them are never going to matter. <laughs> and, right. You know, you, you talk about so that sometimes it is nice to look back and reflect. And I think that one thing I always encourage myself and, and other people that are in our position to um, 
to always like never lose sight of the fact that this is like the coolest thing in the world that we get to do this and uh that you've come from like you mentioned slinging fish or cutting fish or whatever like that could be our lives man like there's you know it, right. it's a certain set of circumstances and a little bit of hard work along the way and it's important for, i think it's important to look back and it's important for people to, to to see that too that uh you know you've accomplished a hell of a lot in your career i'm hoping to accomplish more in my career but not never losing sight of the perspective of how we got here i think is important well i mean to, so just to put just that on the world your 22nd birthday you got plenty of time I am 24. God, I'm going to be 25 in <laughs> August, man. I'm getting I'm old. Some dead air. Dead air at the old comment. Well, no, no, you're not old. Come on. You're not as old as me. So, <laughs> well, we'll keep that. We'll keep that one under wrap. So, you, nobody, <laughs> I will say, I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to out how old you are, but, uh, and I'm not saying that you are old, but it is funny, like, because you are super funny and you're very relatable to a, like a large different group of people. I will say this on the podcast. Like when I actually found out that you were, that you were much older than me, I was like, holy shit, Marcus, like what? He's like actually cool though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> say well now that i've now that i've kind of half insulted you i think that this is a good stopping point for the show <laughs> but anyway i'm just kidding marcus is fantastic and one of the one of the one of my favorite people that i work with i, I get to work with a lot of cool people as, as we both as we both said and i think that is weird like like marcus said i'll echo that very hashtag blessed but anyways marcus thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing your uh, your perspective we really appreciate that and and as for the listeners thank you so much for tuning in as always and and, and uh it's you now so interested and, and so willing to, to tune in i'm i'm i am it's awesome and i really appreciate it but so thank you guys so much for listening today and i hope you learned something